What would you say if I told you my next guest was living in a small village in Kenya, Africa and couldn't speak a word of English until one day he was touched by the Holy Spirit and started to speak English instantly? Would you say that I was crazy, I'd made it up or that it was a gift from God? Hey everyone, welcome back to Who Became Podcast. I'm Simon Osimo and I share stories that will educate, inform and inspire you to live a life of significance. But before we dive into today's episode, if you get value from this content, don't forget to subscribe to be notified every time I release a new and inspiring story. And if you're someone who likes to watch the videos of my interviews, head on over to YouTube where you can watch this and all my other episodes on my channel at Simon Osimo. And also feel free to join our Twitter community, we have a really large Twitter community and again it's just at Simon Osimo. Now this is part one of my conversation with Dr. Sammy Winoni, who is the founder of Merge Twin Cities, bringing cultures together to create positive change in Minnesota and beyond. And Sammy's going to share how he was instantly able to speak English through an experience of faith and how that faith and belief led him on a journey from Kenya to become a well-known evangelist. Now, will you join me as we dive into this week's conversation with Dr. Sammy Winoni? to introduce today's guest so i'm going to call dr sammy i'm going to let you say your last name sammy because i don't want to get it wrong i've been i've been practicing but i've known you t- for too many years to get it wrong so sammy maybe introduce yourself i'll i'll, I'll see if you can try it, uh those of you that are listening um Wanyonyi is how you pronounce the name and i guess there's double points if you can spell it as well so you know it's like a, <laughs> with my last name is osimo i mean that's an easy one to get but i look at some of these and i've done my diversity training and always ask the person how to pronounce it so that's that's my move. that's my get out of jail free card well sammy thank you for joining me and i know you are the the founder of shining world ministries correct uh, merge twin cities uh, you've got a degree in cross-cultural studies, a doctorate of master's divinity from Bethel University here in Minnesota. And uh, you're from a small rural village in Kenya, which is going to be the sort of a subject of our conversation. So I should say uh, to the listeners that we're going to do a part one mm-hmm. and a part two with Sammy. Part one is going to focus on his life here in Africa, in Kenya, um, feeling his, his purpose. And then part two is going to be about your sort of your life here yeah. in America. So Sammy, welcome. Uh, and maybe let's start off just sort of tell us a bit about what your two ministries, your ministries do. Yeah. Um, so Shining the World Ministries is uh, the ministry that I lead. Started that in 2005. At that time, I was a student at Bethel uh, University uh, when I first launched this work. And uh, the it was a culmination of several years of journeying uh, from Africa. I really got a chance to uh, to realize, you know, that, God was calling me to something unique and special as a world evangelist uh, back in the boondocks of Africa, if you may call it that way. Uh, back in 96, I had just graduated from co- from high school and thinking through uh, college and what that meant um, and trying to discern, God, what is your purpose for my life? And I wanted that purpose to guide my steps and my choices. And so it was in the midst of uh, determining that and seeking God, uh, praying, asking God for direction that it became clear 
God had something very unique uh, and special for me uh, in line with ministry, uh, calling me to be a world evangelist, uh, to take the good news of the kingdom uh, to the world. Um, and so that led to multiple steps, uh, moving from my little village, uh, eventually uh, arriving in Minnesota in 98, to go to college here um, where I, I was able to uh, to study, you know, cross-cultural studies and then went on to do the Master of Divinity, which is more of a pastoral preparation degree. And then uh, from there, I went on to do my doctorate. Um, and it was during my times in seminary that I launched Shine as a global missionary enterprise uh, to help bring the good news of Jesus to people around the world. Uh, so we work with churches um, and Christian organizations around Around the world. Uh, we've been to 23 different countries at this point. Uh, and so we work with churches in these uh, uh, cities and communities and uh, all over to share messages of hope, uh, but also to bring tools, uh, resources, and you know, pastoral training, uh, especially in the, uh, in the two-thirds world. Uh, where a lot of uh, some of the resources that we may easily take for granted here are not available. So we get to engage with leaders, with pastors, uh, spend time, encourage them, build them up, uh, provide training resources, and then reach the city together uh, with the message of hope and the message of Christ. Yeah, it's a very powerful introduction you've given there. So I think that's mostly the most um, eloquent introduction that I've ever had from from a guest, you know. So, but it's very, um, it's very powerful in the work that you do, and I'm great, very grateful that you do. I mean, it's um, helping those less fortunate than ourselves and bringing Thank them to, to faith is is just such vital work. And um, you know, I know when we've been friends for a long time, and yeah. you know, when me and you spoke at a, a, um, a few weeks ago. And Tommy Party was your story, and I was like, Sammy, you've got to deliver this well because people are going to hear it and they're going to say, I don't believe you, I don't believe you. <laughs> and then you know where I'm going with this. And a yeah. part of Sammy's um, journey is that, you know, now you talk with a very eloquent English accent. But when you were living in that small rural village in yeah. Kenya, yeah. Um, we were, I'm going to start off and I'll tee you up for the stories, but Eng English wasn't a spoken language within yeah. the village. No. No. But all of a sudden one day, you could speak English, having never heard English before. So maybe tell the story. Like I said, we'll, we'll let the listeners um, may, maybe leave some comments or, or talk when you hear about this, but it is a yeah. fascinating story transformation. So to tell us yeah. that. Yeah. So um, as, as you mentioned, you know, as a kid growing up in this rural village in Kenya, uh, back in the 80s, uh, you know, English was, was not spoken language in the area. Uh, now, we it's often, you know, when you go to about fourth grade, you got introduced uh, to the, the English language. Mm. Uh, but in the early years, it wasn't. And in the homes, people didn't speak English. We spoke the local dialect, uh, local language. Uh, it's called Luhia. Okay. Um, and actually, there is a subgroup called the Bukusu, and that's what we spoke in this area. And then occasionally, you'll speak Swahili as well. Uh, which, you know, is spoken by people from all across East Africa. Uh, but, you know, what happened to me is that when I was uh, eight years old, um, I was praying with my uh, older sibling um, and uh, he had just, you know, left for college uh, a semester earlier. And then he came back after his first semester. Uh, his life just looked transformed and changed. And he was praying all night. He was sharing his faith with others and uh, inviting people in to, you know, to experience Christ. And um, 
watching him, you know, as an eight year old old, along with my other siblings were like, what happened to you? Uh, he said, you know, when I went to college, I met these other young people that were on fire for God. And, you know, it changed my life and I got impacted and filled by the Holy Spirit of God. And uh, he asked us, you know, do you also want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God? We said, sure. And so, um, as the next step, you know, we went into a little mud hut and uh, knelt down to pray uh, for this experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And as he was laying hands on us, uh, he said, you know, just speak out loud, you know, whatever God puts on your on your mind, speak it out. And for me, you know, there in this moment of expectation and anticipation, uh, I began to open my mouth and to speak out. And lo and behold, uh, I was praying and speaking in perfect English. Um, as part of my Holy Spirit experience uh, with this, you know, uh, British accent closer yeah, I, to I yours. can say, was it like Queen English or was it like Simon Cockney London slang? How, how did you I, sound? I, I, I don't know how, what you'll call my accent now, but, yeah. you know, um, it, it was pretty, you know, crisp um, Queen's kind of yeah. uh English, uh, King James, mm. uh, pretty much at that point. Uh, now, you know, speaking with the thighs, thousand thighs and dines and, you know, all mm. of that, uh, the old. And let's get it into context. So the year then, what type of year are we talking about, Sammy? Uh, the, the year? Yeah, when uh, so the, Yeah, that was in, uh, um, in 1982. Okay, so I yeah. mean, there's, there's no, there's no internet, there's, there's yeah, no yeah, social there's, media. Yeah, there's no you know, social media. You're, you're literally had a, um, you know, being overpowered, and then you can just start suddenly talking this, this King's, King's English. Yeah, it's incredible. incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So it was just a powerful experience that then, um, you know, when my parents saw what was happening with me, uh, because my parents, are, you know, they are rural evangelists. And um, they, they shared the gospel of Jesus with people in the villages. Uh, so uh, from that experience, you know, I began to accompany them uh, to sh gospel sharing moments in the villages and, and people would be drawn to it, you know, along with our, the rest of our family. Um, and, and we are a large family of 23 kids, you mm -hmm. know, so a very big family. But we were all believers, uh, came to Christ through, you know, these early years. Um, and that experience, being able to, uh, articulate uh, the the good news of Christ very eloquently as a kid was a draw in the villages mm. and and so that that was my uh, early experience. Yeah, and it's interesting. And one of the things, and maybe um, you know, other people might drift to other languages um, here as well. But why English? Do you think? Why did the Lord bless you with? Um, been able to talk English. I, I think for I mean, it's one, granted, it's a great yeah. language. I've got to be, <laughs> I, I've been English. Yeah, I've got to say it's a great language, but it, what, why English? Language. Have you ever yeah. reflected on that? Yeah, I think, I think for one, um, of course, uh, in Kenya, uh, it's one of the official languages, you know, once uh, it, it's, it's the, uh, you know, one, one, so that's why they introduced it to us in mm. fourth grade. Um, and, uh, but the fact that I was a kid who hasn't, who hadn't officially and formally taken the lessons, uh, it was an attractive thing. Um, mm. but I also believe God had a very global purpose yeah. with it, uh, because of course, eventually uh, I'm here in America and I travel around the world, uh, and more than half of the world speaks English. Yes. Um, and so it has served very well. Uh, for what I do um, mm. as an evangelist around the world. 
And so you, from talking your native tongue to then speaking this sort of King James English, mm -hmm. how was that perceived, I guess, perhaps by your parents who didn't speak English mm -hmm. and then by other people within around the local community? I mean, were you this sort of person that was rolled out as in, hey, there's this young boy that can now speak English? I mean, this miracle. What was, it? what was it? What were the experiences like it, for you? you? Know, for, for one, it brought a sense of awe and wonder, you know, like in those villages. I mean, uh, everybody knows everybody else's mm -hmm. life. Uh, and so it it brought a sense of awe and wonder and people thinking, hey, you know, there's something unique about this. Um, and often when we'll be out ministering to people, you know, I, I remember people coming to me, uh, even though I was a kid, they wanted me to lay hands on them, to pray for them, to, you know, uh, ask God to minister to them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it was this um, reverential experience as people, you know, watched what was happening with me. Now, personally, I didn't think of it as being any anything such a big deal. Uh, yeah. But I know in the eyes of the people, you know, in hindsight, I realized that in the eyes of the people, it was something amazing and wonderful. And it drew their attention to the reality of the gospel and to the presence of God um, mm. and drew them to experience God and to say, you know what, I want what this kid has, yeah. uh, which yeah. is a relationship with God. Yeah, and I guess, you know, one of the things that just us as humans, we often um, fear what we don't understand. And there could even be people listening to this podcast saying, I don't believe that a person in a village in, you know, Kenya suddenly, you know, all of a sudden could start speaking English. So mm -hmm. I guess, um, you know, I believe you believe this is part of our makeup. Growing up, and maybe we don't want to drift into America too much because we'll touch mm -hmm. that in part two, but maybe in America and in Africa, were there doubters? Were there people that would sort of, you know, non-believers non that didn't um, believe what they were hearing about you being able to speak English? Um, you know, yes, of course, there, there will always be people that don't believe. Um, except in my case, um, they, they, it wasn't that they didn't believe because of what they were seeing. Uh, most of the times they didn't believe because they didn't want to enter yeah. uh, into this relationship that would call them to sacrifice uh, their lifestyles and their ways of doing things. Uh, so that was the reason for their unbelief. Uh, but in terms of, you know, wonder and amazement and understanding that, you know, God is at, at, at up to something, um, majority of the people, it was almost taken for granted that, you know, God is real. Uh, his power is real. His presence is real. Uh, it's just us, you know, our choices, mm. whether we want to engage or not. So the unbelief was more on the part of not wanting to engage uh, with, with, with what God is revealing, uh, because for one, they may be afraid uh, of what it will require of them, the sacrifice or the surrender uh, that it mm. calls them to. And, and I think it's the reality here too. Uh, most of the times when you dig deeper into people's life and into people's journey uh, and reasons for unbelief, you come to realize that actually many of the times it's not so much because they don't want to acknowledge that there is God. Um, they, they will probably, you know, come to that conclusion, uh, but it is because of what the implications of that admittance uh, mm -hmm. of admitting, you know, that there is a God. Uh, it, 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 it makes people, you know, get um, uh, rather not accept and acknowledge and, and come to that place of belief, uh, which in the Christian tradition, it's, it's an active, uh, when we talk about believing, it's not just a mental assent, but really a heart 
you know, posture uh, and a very practical process. Uh, and that is what, uh, that, that is, that's, that what, that's what we see. Uh, and I think it was very similar in Africa as well. Yeah. And so what did you, you know, during this sort of eight years old and then going fast forward in a couple of years, what did you learn about yourself? During that that period, but you know, like you said, even you were a person that you went then went with your parents to other villages, and mm-hmm. people wanted you to sort of touch them so they could get healed. I mean, um, what did you learn about yourself during that during that period? Yeah, you know, uh, for one, um, I kind of sort of took it, you know, as a matter of fact that you know when you're a believer, you're a follower of Christ. It's uh, it's just the reality. For one, you know, the reality was which was I mean, the the whole experience was very real for me. Um, and so I took it for granted that everybody, you know, who comes to God should experience this. Um, but then I, I, I began to realize that, of course, not everybody goes through that same experience. Um, and over time, you know, began to take it a little bit more reverently. Uh, the understanding that, you know what, I think God has a very special purpose for my life. And um, I should approach this, you know, more keenly uh, with a mm-hmm. sense of our, a sense of um, seeking the Lord. And and that is why even years later, uh, after my high school years, you know, I decided I, I'm, I just don't want to jump into a career. I don't yeah. just want to go to college to study law, you know, uh, which is kind of, which was my passion because I had this sense of justice about me. Uh, I want to step back and really listen to God and allow him to guide my steps. Um, and, and that is what I did, you know. So um, the, the whole realization that I didn't belong to myself, I, I belong to God. Yeah. And uh, and allowing him to guide me is probably a priority at any time. And I think mm-hmm. it is the priority for all of us. Yeah, and I think um, I had a conversation with Pastor Brian Suter at our church here in, in Minnesota. And one of our the sort of discussions that we had is surrounding that, you know, you're not in control, mm-hmm. nor you're meant to be in control. And it sounds like even from a very young age that you realised that you weren't in control of your life, that, you know, that God was. And that's really sort of helped you not only to sort of discover your purpose, but find meaning behind some, some key things that happened. So yeah. well, maybe let's dive into uh, a second poignant moment about how you started the transition to come to America. I know mm-hmm. that you're working for um, an airline, you're a catering manager, you know, you're going through school. Uh, there's an interesting story about um, how you how you stumbled across the college here in Minnesota. Maybe, yeah. maybe tell us that, Sam. Yeah, um, so... You know, my journey from the village, um, you know, and, and there's a whole big chunk there. But um, after uh, leaving the village uh, on this journey to the, be a world evangelist, um, there was a time when uh, the Lord led me to actually work for an airline company in France. Um, and while there, uh, a couple of years later, you know, I was just thinking to myself, um, Lord, you know, what what's what's next you know what what do you have next and it was in that season of uh, again discerning uh, and trying to understand what you have what are your plans that i began to realize you know what i think god is uh, calling me even beyond uh, because now i had transitioned from the city from the village to the city and i'm thinking oh i'm reaching the whole world through the being in the city it's a global city yeah. uh, but then the lord was like no no you've not arrived uh, i'm actually sending you to the nations and so um, in that surprise moment of trying to think, okay, 
to the nations. What does, does that mean? Um, you know, one day I have a friend who stopped by my house and, and he said, you know, I, I have this uh, handbook. It was just a magazine. And in there we had, uh, you know, names of colleges and schools and uh, all of that. And, and so he handed me this uh, handbook and I took it with me to my office at the airport at that time, Nairobi International Airport. And um, I, I go to my office, I sit down uh, and in front of me, I had a globe and I had, you know, a, a world map and I had a phone. And and and, uh, and so I'm looking at these things. Uh, but then as I begin to peruse through this uh, pamphlet or, or book or booklet that he had given me, I see a picture of a, of a, of a young man uh, sitting in front of a, or sitting at a desk with a phone, a globe, a map, and, you know, a question mark, a question attached to it. Is that you? Is God calling you to take the good news of the kingdom to the world? Is he calling you to be a missionary, an evangelist, a pastor? Then if, if that is you, we are the right school for you. And that school was a small little school in Bloomington, Minnesota. And so when I saw that image and I see myself sitting at this desk, um, I'm looking exactly like this guy in the picture. I went, that's me. The Lord must be speaking yeah. something here. So I decided to contact the school uh, and see if I could be able to come over. Um, and we it was a long dialogue, uh, you know, that took uh, over a year uh, before I eventually arrived here in uh, uh, in the in the winter of '98. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And I know we, you know we have to cut out large chunks of this because I mean, really, Sam, your your life could be like a seven part podcast uh, podcast series. <laughs> so we're having to sort of get get to the highlights. But another key question I always get, you know, and um, I've visited Africa once. I've been to South Africa mm -hmm. and, and Mauritius, you know, off the, off the east coast of Africa. I, you know, I've been very fortunate with, with my life, you know, but half my heritage is sort of Nigerian. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I do reflect and think, well, well why me? Why am I different? How did, how did I end up where, where I am? You know, and there's been a series of events that sort of led me down different paths. Mm -hmm. But when I think of Africa being a third world country, very poor, and you here now, with me in sort of in the Midwest, in Minnesota, you know, in very affluent areas. Um, with this podcast being around sort of purpose, transformation, um, do you ever think, well, well why are you? Because some people be listening could be either downbeat by society. I can't do these things. You know, I can't get a degree. I can't get a better job. Um, you know, I, I can't save the money to buy this stuff. You know, the world beats us down, but people like you are a shining example, but you've come from a very sort of poor nation. And, and a very poor family. A very poor family, yeah. yeah. And you started your, your ministry and you're doing incredibly well. So do you ever say, um, why, which could be a, a strange question, but why you? Why is it that some people can break that cycle, can step outside themselves and others can't? What what makes you different, Sammy? I mean, absolutely. And it's that's a, a, deep, a, valid, it's a yes, deep, it's a deep, deep question. <laughs> it's a deep, <laughs> Two but minutes, valid, go. <laughs> yeah, it's a deep but valid question. I mean, even here, you know, looking at the depth of our ministry, I get, I get the question all the time. Even we have, you know, pastors who come from Africa in America, uh, but they're not doing as well as I am. Uh, if they wanted to call a whole city of pastors together, mm -hmm. those pastors won't show up. Yep. Uh, but here I am, I come from Africa, I live here in Minneapolis, and you know, I've been able to convene you know, hundreds of pastors when I make a call, uh, all these leaders and pastors from all these churches and denominations leading way bigger ministries, mm -hmm. uh, they respond and they come out. And so I get that question, people say, you know, how come you are doing so well? Um, and and of course, naturally, you know, for me as well, it would be like, you know, 
why why God did, did you choose me? Um, but it's a, and it's a question that I asked you know from very early on. I remember when God was laying that burden on my heart to be a world evangelist. The first question I asked God, why me? <laughs> you know why me? Um, and and uh, you know don't you have better cho- choices and better people to be able to do this? And I remember the Lord speaking to me. He said, you know, um, it's because I want to use you. Um, and I said, but God, I'm just ordinary. I, I didn't wear a shoe until I was in eighth grade, you know, I'm in sixth grade. Um, and I, I, I don't have the sophistication of the first world. Uh, but, you know, here you are calling me to go to the nations of the world. Are you serious? And he said, yeah, uh, because I don't use extraordinary people. I use ordinary people. I take those people that are available and you know, uh, if you are available to me, I will use your life. Uh, and any one of these individuals, you know, Billy Graham or Reinhard Bonnke or any famous preacher, uh, they are all ordinary people. Uh, it's just that they are available and that's how God used them. Now, for me, of course, my journey is very unique. And, I, and there is this scripture in Ecclesiastes that says, you know, the battle is not for the strong. Uh, the rest is not to the swift, but time and chance happens to them all. Uh, and that has been an anchor for me, you know, for years, because I realized that, um, you know, it's it, it, where I come from, the background, mm-hmm. the experience, or even the educational starters, you know, it, yes, it's important. It makes a difference, but it's not the be all. And, you know, it, it doesn't determine everything. Uh, God determines our destiny uh, and our process. And so I've purposefully not put too much uh, credit into people. I put my confidence and trust in God. And that carries me, uh, including, you know, my economic well-being, my studies. I mean, I went through school with nothing. Um, But because I was following and pursuing my purpose and through that, God was able to provide for me and supply all of my needs. You know, today I have a family and, you know, it's a thriving family. Uh, I've bought my house, you know, my house almost with nothing. Uh, But I knew God could help me be able to do it. and, And that's how it worked. Yeah, and it is. And, and no matter where you're from, I think we all struggle with our, our purpose. And I think there's just some parts of our community where they don't, they can't see it, you know, and, and it's how do we as other people help them, you know, and for me and you, we believe that's through faith, but it's everyone has this inside of them. You just got to try and find ways to, to, to bring it out. But Sammy, you know, as we start to wrap up this first part of a conversation, um, me and you can talk on this, talk on this all day, but I'm going to close with a mental image for people. If you can imagine a young um, East African man arriving on a plane into Minnesota in minus temperatures yeah. with nothing but a, a coat and a suitcase. And we're going to hear how Sammy then transformed his life in, in the second part. So um, Sammy, thank you for, for joining us. And uh, what I would say, if anything has resonated with you that Sammy said, um, you know, please share it with someone who could have been going through a similar circumstance to Sammy where they're struggling they don't feel that they can achieve things with their life you know um, send them this podcast let them listen to Sammy talk and hear some of his experiences where I hope is going to help grow them spiritually and also transform them into a better person so Sammy as we wrap up the the first part of the podcast uh, again appreciate your time and really looking forward to hearing your story in, in, uh, in part two wonderful thank you so much thank you for joining the who I became podcast To help spread this inspiring story, be sure to share it with your friends, hit the like button, and of course, subscribe to our channel so you won't miss out on any future episodes. 
We'd also love to hear how this story impacted you. So leave us a comment on whatever platform you're watching us from. To learn more about this episode, our guests, or Simon, head over to simonosimo slash podcast and sign up to receive the latest information delivered straight to your inbox. Once again, thank you for joining us for the Who I Became podcast.